through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City to make this podcast part of the Goblin Broadcast Network at GBNcom.com. You have no power over me. Step through the twilight lands with me. Through the darkening sunlight, come with me. If you let your eyes adjust, you'll follow the light of the old ones. They've come to dance by the straight tracks. It isn't far to go. You're walking along with me now. I'm guiding the way. This is my land. My domain. The Bear's Grove, they call this place. Sacred it is to life and light. See the tower with the standard of the Golden Bear? Come past the forge and well. Past the mine and spire. Come now to the hall they built of old. The old stories crowd around in the firelight waiting to be told. Be welcome round this hearth and hold. The Bears Grove Podcast carries an explicit warning because of adult situations, discussion, and subject matter. This podcast is not for children, so please, if you're a child or even an immature adult, it's time to turn the podcast off. All of the rest of you be welcome to this edition of The Bear's Grove. I am Sam Chupp, your host for the 11th episode of this, your podcast for adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art. I'm pleased you were able to join us today, and I'm hoping you will enjoy the segments we have coming up for you. Starting with the GM's Toolkit section, where we'll talk about some of the visualization tools I've discovered to help you with your game design process. We'll be moving on to the second half of the Real Live Gamer Girl interview with my partner, Cynthia. We'll have a segment from our guest columnist, Alan Braden, who will talk today about... The worst thing that can happen to you in an RPG. Finally, as promised, we have a segment about sex. But first, I have a few news and notes. We had some very positive feedback from our 10th episode, the superhero-themed one, and I wanted to take this moment to issue an errata and thank especially a wonderful voice actress who worked uncredited on that podcast, my own stepdaughter, Katarina, who is called Shadowcat. She played the part of Story Girl, and that's girl with two R's, no I. You may remember who said, You'll not ruin our video games, you madman! Cat is an avid gamer, and currently plays a Malkavian in my Vampire the Masquerade 2nd Edition Chronicle, in addition to being a writer, dancer, artist, designer, and storyteller herself. I'm really grateful for her participation and hope she'll agree to come on the show for her own interview sometime. I might remind everyone that the Bears Grove has a cafe press store. The first edition Bears Grove podcast t-shirt will soon be discontinued as we're coming out with a new design. So any of you who are thinking of purchasing one, this is the time to do it. Finally, for those of you who haven't subscribed to our sister podcast for the Bears Grove, the Bardic Circle... You're welcome to do so through the show's RSS feed located at feeds.feedburner.com slash bardic circle. 
The Bardic Circle is where we present original literary pieces influenced or inspired by role-playing games. So without any further ado, let's start the show with a promo from one of my favorite new podcasts that originated from folks listening to another one of my favorite podcasts. It's the podcast called Gamer the Podcasting, which grew out of folks who started by listening to the Dragon's Landing podcast. Okay, guys, roll to hit the Vampire Gazebo. Uh, you hit. Hey, guys, what are you doing? Role-playing? Oh, no, it's that guy. Uh, no, we're not doing anything. We're just, uh, watching TV. Aw, that's too bad, because I brought along my new gaming girlfriend. Hello, boys. Mind if I max out on charisma? Whoa! Hey, did you get that hot gaming girlfriend from listening to Gamer the Podcasting? Yeah, of course! Gamer the Podcasting does not actually get you a hot gamer girlfriend. What it actually does is give you useful advice on tabletop role-playing, live-action role-playing, and all other forms of role-playing games. Sometimes we talk about other games. We can do whatever we want. It's our own podcast. Visit us on the web at www.gamerthepodcasting.blogspot.com. Gamer the Podcasting has a lot of practical tips for those of you interested in participating in live-action role-playing. The show has a definite narrative bent that I really enjoy. And just recently, they had a full-blown, all-female gamer episode, which I really, really liked. And plus, I just think Caroline, Jeff, and Sasha are cool. So there you go. Next up, we have the Game Designer's Toolkit. the Game Designer's Toolkit, I would like to tell you about some of the visualization tools you can use to help bring your game design ideas into focus. Now remember, the focus of this segment every podcast is that these tools are either cheap or free for you. I don't want you to have any financial barriers to using them. The first tool I want to talk about is a program called ArtRage. That's A-R-T-R-A-G-E. Now, I'm not an artist. Not at all. I don't even deserve to stand in the same room with most artists. I can barely draw recognizable stick figures. However, ArtRage is an extremely easy-to-use paint program. It's designed to simulate the act of painting on canvas. Even if you have little to no skills at all in the art department, ArtRage can be used to draw some pretty impressive-looking figures. Use this program to create magical glyphs and designs. Make logos and pictograms. And with the special tracing paper option, you can try your hand at tracing out portraits and other graphics. Next up is the GIMP, which is a Photoshop quality photo manipulation program. You can install the GIMP on many operating systems. It's open source and free. There are a huge number of brushes and plugins for it, and making new ones is a very easy process. Use the GIMP to draw your campaign maps, create photo filters on images, or put text on other textures to make nifty headers for your next PDF. Anything Photoshop can do, the GIMP can do, and more. There's even a whole animation suite that will help you with the process of animating images and saving them as a GIF. 
finally, for those of you who are completely unable to draw anything but really want a visual representation of your character, there is a website called The Hero Machine. The Hero Machine allows you to create heroic figures to help others visualize what their characters look like. This is obviously best for superheroic characters, but you can use Hero Machine to create fantasy and science fiction character looks as well. There is a free version on the web, and there's a pay version that offers you more options as well. Next up, we have the second half of our interview with Cynthia, my partner. Yeah, how important is it that you know all the rules? Well, I I really worried about it, especially in that particular campaign. It was the first D and D third edition. We we were playing the D and D campaign right after D and D third edition came out, and it was your Stars and Garters campaign. It was my first exposure to D and D, and we were playing with a bunch of people who had played like the first and second edition and the advanced whatever. So I was very worried. And I was constantly saying, it's at a, it's at a, a D4 and how many of those? And I was very worried. And I eventually realized that it was on my character sheet or you would tell me. And it usually wasn't very important and most things were a D20 anyway. But most of it was having a some idea of what my character could or would do. I might not know the right name of, say, a spell, since I was playing a bard, but if I described the effect I was going for, you were flexible enough to work with me and say, that could fit into this, Mm -hmm. or you can't do that yet. And you did say you can't do that yet sometimes. That goes with the girlfriend gamer thing. There, We have run into people who assume, didn't, want to play, say, in a group where the gr- ga- the GM's girlfriend was in the group because they were assuming that I would have advantages that their character would not have. Right, that you would somehow be passed over in the plot or treated with kid gloves or... I would have superpowers or extra plot hooks or something. And that wasn't that isn't the case. Actually, I, I feel sometimes like... I have to be extra careful to keep things that I might happen to know because of Cynthia knows them, but my character doesn't know them out of my playing. I try to be very, very, very careful, and I know that if I don't manage it, you're going to kick my butt anyway because you'll say, how would you know that? Right. And, (laughs) and, you know, the thing of it is, there is that difference. I mean, in the sense of, yes, you know me well. Yes, you know me a lot better than the other gamers do. So you're going to know kind of how my mind works, and you're going to be sort of subconsciously going along with that, 
in the story, and yeah, that is an advantage. But uh, you know, I've always seen you self police and try to keep continuity in your head as best as possible. Um, I was wondering if <clears throat> you know how you would address a game master who's interested in trying to make his game more friendly towards these uh, SOs who are coming into a situation for the first time. Ask them why they want to be there. Are they there just to hang out with their boyfriend or girlfriend? Are they there, you know, have they wanted to play? What kind of thing do they want to do what kind of thing do they enjoy? What kind of person are they? Try to get a feel for their personality. Are they very analytical? Are they very empathic? Are they into puzzle solving? Try to get a good fit for that person and that character so that at least with the first time out, they're kind of. it might be easier for them to sort of be playing themselves in a way. For some mm-hmm. people, it might be better for them to play somebody completely different. But... It, you should be feeling them out, I think. So what you're really saying is it's just the same advice you'd give anybody starting with gaming. It doesn't necessarily mean that mean much in the direction of, like, there's no difference between just any regular newbie and a person who's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Well, I do think the motivation is important. I think that I would start with, are you here because, you know... Are Jerry you here, of your, is own here? Free, of your own free will? Are you here because Jerry's here? Are you here because you want to be here? Right. Would you be here if Jerry weren't here? And if Jerry were to not come to a game session, would you be okay with coming by yourself without him or her? Well, yeah, I mean, that's to a certain extent I can see that. There, there have been some of our players before who'd seem to come in pairs. Uh, but, you know, Valmont and Kala came together. Typically. Valmont came sometimes alone. Every so every so often. When he could. Very yeah. rarely, but every so often. But, you know, uh, we started out with Rosilio, and later right. on, his we, uh, girlfriend, future wife's character came into the game as she came into his the life. Tenesh. yes. Yes. So, um, you know, and after she came into his life, they always came together. <laughs> Because of childcare right. issues, right? But she was always there, and of right. course, we saw in somebody else's campaign a childcare issue because of a couple issue completely break up an entire campaign. So right. that can be very important. Well, talk a little bit about that. Uh, what I mean, can we game with kids around? I mean, I know that we you know, always have until the last couple of years. I mean, we well, we've still got a my daughter around but she's 15 now so well yeah i mean what i'm trying to say is what I, i'm trying to remember the various i mean did well we, i mean we started we gaming actually the first game i played with you was a werewolf game and your son was playing with us i remember that this was that. back was in our, 98 so he was, he was, he was a, 10 that's right he was playing in a room oh he was he he turned 10 right then he was a, and he was he a was cub a, yeah, and he was really very sweet about helping me to feel comfortable in getting started um, both in character and out of character, okay? Um, because my character, just like I was, 
was totally new. She was had just found out she was a werewolf, and she was not happy. She did not want to be. She was not okay with that. And he was very sweet. Kept bringing her little gifts. Just as a you're part. You're one of us. You're part of us. Welcome. Right. Right. I remember that. Um, and that was a that was a cute campaign. It was. It's too bad that the chronicle mm-hmm. had to end so quickly. And it it just didn't work. I think the the players. I think we had scheduling and uh, scheduling issues. Yeah. But it wasn't a, a kid problem. It was. Yeah. It wasn't a kid problem. Um. We had and other children present who were not involved in the game, but we always planned so that they had other things to do, they had a place to be, and we took turns with somebody being the parent on deck. Parent on deck. To Even be, the storyteller sometimes. Yeah, so that, well, I think we were trying to keep you not... Yeah, still I had to know, somehow stop and intervene. And, well, what, if if one of your kids was doing, yeah. you know, if that's one thing. If the storyteller has a child there um, and and the child's other parent isn't there, sometimes the storyteller is going to have to stop and get involved because um, there's some things that mama or daddy has to call down on, you know, right, or kiss authority. and make better or right. whatever. But we have... But you take breaks and you go right. on. And, and we have done sort of a tribal parenting thing where whoever was not really the most involved in the game, and in sometimes even people who don't have kids, like our friend James, who right. is a experienced uncle, would notice a suspicious lack of noise from the playroom. Right. And go find out why... There are seven children downstairs, and there's absolutely no, no sound. noise. Yeah, or you know why there's something that could be screaming, or it could be laughter. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know that we 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 trusted each other enough. We had to get to that trust, and we had all known each other by the time we got to the Stars and Garters campaign. Right. We had known each other for a time, and when we had little ones around. I think, actually, Christina's uh, son was the first really little one we had. Right, right. And the and kids, he came and in with us, and our older kids were really great about after him. helping with the toddler, and he was such a personable young fellow that he would come and... Uh, he would come and he, he would sit in our laps, and he would feed me popcorn, and yeah, he would help with my cross-stitch, or he would... Right. Uh, go down and check on the big kids sometimes, or they would take him outside. But we were mostly people who had been parents or were parents then, and we were tolerant of that. Now, we had one person come into the game who was single, child-free, and I think that's one reason he only came one or two sessions. Well, I think if if that's... Is it the the, uh, Michigan guy? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, yeah, he, but he was interested more in, and I think the reason that he didn't is he was really interested more in the uh, hack and slash kind yeah. of thing. But, you know, I heard later from someone else that he was thinking about the campaign later and realized that he was kicking himself in the butt because he really wished he could have 
stayed with the game. I mean, he, he sort of well, of later course, on, I think he should have. <laughs> I think it, it would have been fun. It would yeah, have been but I, I, I got the feeling that he was really annoyed because he wasn't used to dealing with kids. He wasn't used, used to, and that is something that is a, a, a something you to just have. are as parents. And so, if you have people now, if they who were, if aren't the kids were used poorly, to kids, then you know. But we all also had kids who knew that mm-hmm. the adults are in charge. And right. they knew the other adults present. We had a level of trust with the other adults right. to trust them to say, no, you don't do that, or yeah, that's cool with our kids. Now, you don't always have that with the other adults. And right. that is definitely something to be considered. You don't just trust anybody to supervise your kids. Of course not. And there's a lot to be said about you know what age are your kids, how responsible are they, and how well is a home set up for having a separate place for kids present. Right. We had that basement downstairs area right. and that was good. one reason we picked the house. But um well and I wanted to tell you touched briefly on it, but I was I was wanting to go back and talk about um like essentially the fact that we also were fairly lucky, I mean I guess luck by design that we had kids who we could trust and that were you know, they weren't going to actively try to disrupt the proceedings. And, and there were... You know, I think that I, it just occurred to me that one of the things that helped that is that all of our children were gamers. That's true. And they respected our game because we respected theirs. Right, exactly. And um, it, was a, it was a reciprocal thing. They got sacred gaming time because we got sacred gaming time. Right. I wasn't going to come downstairs and interrupt their game and demand that they go clean their room. Right. And they weren't going to come upstairs and demand that we referee a dispute over a magic game. Right. Right. In the middle of a combat. Right. So So that's that's the important part of that. Right. Okay. They they were used to it. They did know it. We I think we we had one kid who was present a few times who had to come to an understanding that he was not going to be there to be the star of anybody's show. Right, and we we had to set but boundaries. We had to set he, boundaries. He got it pretty quickly, and he, I think, had, grew from the experience, and his father was actually very grateful. Right, <laughs> but, right. You know. Um, so kids aren't necessarily a problem. They can be for some people who, who are... Um, not parents and who don't really want to be around children. Or who don't have firm boundaries. Right. We're um, pretty pretty much have the same rules no matter whose kid it is. Right. And we're comfortable with that. Um, some people aren't. <laughs> exactly. Um, so getting back uh, to the topic of role-playing, um, you know, I've done some romance and role-playing segments in, on the Bears Grove and I feel sometimes like I'm talking just sort of out of my hat because, uh, you know, it's all very well and good for a geek gamer to talk about the, you know, sort of starry-eyed aspects of romance <laughs> and gaming. But I was hoping that I could maybe. Well, you know, I asked you, you first it. to do some um, one-on-one time outside the campaign. Right. Because there were some things that, in the Stars and Garters campaign, which is, no, actually in the previous thing, in the Mage campaign, there were some... I remember that. Yeah. Some, some, some backstory. Things, backstory things that I needed to work out to know about my character, Anna. Um, 
Now, you did not get experience points. No, I didn't get experience points. I wasn't looking for experience points. I was looking for her to tell me who she was. Right. So you were experiencing the character more in a, you know, almost like a conversation. Right. And I asked you to role play that with me outside game time because that wasn't interesting to anybody else. It didn't involve them. It wasn't in the same time period. Um, so it would have been something that the players would have had to sit through, basically. Yeah, that would have been rude. Let me be your all I need. Let me hear you beg and plead. Oh, I want to be forever more. Let me be your all I need. Let me be your sky, your heaven above. You're everything. You're everything. And I belong in the heavens of your Howdy gamers, my name is Alan Braden, and today I'd like to talk to you about a gaming topic more terrible than cheating on dice rolls, and more common than orcs in Middle Earth. Taking a moment to nod at the obvious Seinfeld reference, today I want to talk about nothing, and what happens when nothing happens to you, in a game at least. In my past segments, I've signed off using the phrase that the worst thing that can happen to you in a game is nothing at all. I believe this is true. So what is happening when nothing is happening in a game? Generally speaking, it means that the players are either spinning their wheels in one place or having their wheels spun for them. Sometimes nothing originates with the players. It can be an obsessive need to try to prevent the game ref from coming up with complicating circumstances that the player might find inconvenient. I once spoke to a player who was going into a game and he had the following character write-up. My character was a single child born of parents who were themselves single children. Just as his mom and dad were orphans who had met and fallen in love, my character lost his parents shortly after his 21st birthday. Due to this tragedy, he spends all day and all night at home, telecommuting to his work as a systems consultant. He doesn't date, he doesn't go out to bars, he doesn't have any girlfriends, he receives his paycheck via direct deposit. He buys all his own food and does his own cooking... He never eats out. He hates movies. He hates sporting events. He does not watch TV. He doesn't rent anything. He doesn't surf the internet. And he doesn't play video games. This miracle of interaction was presented with the grand smugness of a gauntlet being thrown down. There, he said. Let's see the game ref screw with that. (laughs) Gee, dude, thanks for the favor. Not that I was the ref. But if I had been the ref, I think the first thing I would have started rolling was some Advil to cover the headache. What can you do with people who are determined to be uninteractive? Very little. Since RPGs are by nature interactive storytelling, how badly will the game then suck? Very much. But it isn't just player inaction that can bring a truckload of nothing to the table. Player over-involvement can also be a crashing mass of not very much at all. For example... Does your character enjoy shopping? I mean, really, really enjoys shopping... Fine. 
but as a player, learn to enjoy it in moderation, unless the game master makes it clear that they have something specific to accomplish during your time at the bazaar, get the gear you need and get out, or at least get off stage. Declaring long-term actions that don't require direct supervision can go a long way towards unsticking the situation out of neutral gear. Especially if we're just talking about some odd thing you want to get because you want to have it stowed uselessly in your backpack of unchecked encumbrance. Extended detail-encrusted monologues about the things you try on and your mad haggling skills against starving merchants is only really about as exciting as Chinese water torture without the water and not even as useful. Yes, we love our role players. Yes, these non-combat moments are wonderful for showing off your quirks. But role-playing out these moments works better as a team sport involving your table mates, and best when this serves the plot somehow. Save the anguished market savvy for some esoteric item another character desperately needs. You know, the character that brought up one stat or another at the cost of their charisma or barter skill. Turn your QVC addiction into an asset for the team, and that will dispel a big chunk of nothing in your grocery bag at the end of the session. You can apply this idea to just about any little informal side jaunt your character feels the need to take. Want to check in at the homestead and see how mom and pop are doing? Well, assuming your character write-up left them still alive. Take another player with you and introduce them to the folks. Make it silly. Hint that this random player is your lover. Uh, just don't tell the other player. Make it maudlin. If anything should happen to me, you have to bring this locket back to my mother. But just make it something. As you begin to see, the more interactive a game gets between the players themselves, the less nothing happens. Simple, huh? Well, maybe yes and maybe no. I think we all know that it isn't just the players who can be accused of perpetuating nothing. Game masters have just as much blame in the nothing game as anyone. For some game runners, it can be a matter of inexperienced. Friends of mine were once in a game that could be described as such. Your character originates from Town A. The only real action in Town A is to get a job guarding caravans across the unspecified wilderness for approximately the distance of three random encounters until they reach Town B. Town B was really only known as a brief stopping point for caravans, so of course, their only real choice was to sign up for a trip to Town C. Three random encounters later, the party arrived at Town C, which was a largely unfinished, unscripted metropolis with a lot of caravans going to many other alphabetically labeled destinations. Needless to say, the party dissolved in Town C, as much over the incredible repetition of their employment as over the fact that it took them six full game sessions just to accomplish that little bit of their odyssey. There was much empathy felt for the fledgling Raff, who mistook being able to wing it to improvise with not being ready at all. But telling your players, uh, I'll have something there next week, isn't a very satisfaction-making answer. It's kind of like that Tony Hawk commercial where he crashes into an invisible wall while his game world downloads around him. This has got to go. He sighs at the download bar. Well, it's the same idea for gaming. Players don't want to stare at a dice screen. It doesn't blink with a helpful percentage rate while you get your thoughts together. Players want to be immersed with their story they see playing out in their mind's eye. We can't do that when we have nothing prepared. Sometimes more experienced game masters fall into a different pit. Creating challenges so great and wildly esoteric that the characters have no earthly clue as to what they are supposed to do next. 
This can happen in the quiet conversations at camp, as they overlook what you thought were very well laid out clues right in front of them. Or it can happen deep in a dungeon crawl, when they are faced with some fiendish puzzle trap you spent way too much time working out. Either way, the results are the same. They stare at each other, they stare off to space, they squirm, that can be fun to watch for a little while, and then they look at you either apologetically or hostily and admit they got nothing. Since we are supposed to be cooperatively telling a story with these same people, leading them into dark alleys only works in our favor if we also lead the breadcrumbs, showing them the way out. While it is fun to try and stump the sharp minds in the group, you always run the risk of thinking so far outside the box that you're just off in another world completely removed from the characters and the people who are supposed to be thinking like those characters. Moderation is the key. Something is always better than nothing. Game refs also share some of the responsibility when trivial elements go horribly off track at the expense of the fun of the game. There will be days when it's fun to indulge, but there will also be days where it is your job to curb your players from running amok in the marketplace. It doesn't really take much to get them back on track. <clears throat> well, let's see. You uh, haggle him down to a mutually comfortable level, you exchange money for goods, and you move on to something more relevant. Now, if that hint isn't unsubtle enough to get the point across, you have larger problems than the time sink in the middle of your session. Sometimes, as game refs, we wait for our players to perform definitive actions. We need to know what new stuff they buy, who they flirt with at the restaurant, what section of the bookstore they browse in. We're looking for plot clues, character clues, creating moments of warm fuzzy that will help tide them over for later when we make their lives a living hell. But sometimes those lack of direction segments can be mistaken as invitations for the players to take the plot into their own hands. Be sure to let the players know, above the awareness of their characters, when you plan to give them a full vacation session to enjoy the nothing that's happening. Otherwise you get players constantly jumping at shadows and conspiracies that just aren't there. Or at least not yet. By that same idea, it is our job to keep the ideas going. Be sure to think out your game a few steps ahead of where the, ahead of where the players are. Players, on your side of the game, be reasonably patient with your game masters and mistresses. Remember that no matter how involved you are or would like to be, running a game is tough work, even when all the elements work out. You need to be forgiving to a certain point just like they have to be flexible if your role-playing pulls the game into a direction that they possibly hadn't anticipated. Now, how forgiving should you be as gamers? How forgiving should you be as game refs? Well, kids, this is an interactive hobby. You're all just going to have to work that part out amongst yourselves. Most importantly, just remember that we do this for the fun of it, and usually with our friends. Questionable attention to detail, to one extreme or the other, is a poor excuse to stop having fun or, or getting mad with your friends. Well, that's all I have to say for this installment. Until next time, I'm Alan Braden for Bears Grove Podcast, your place for adult-level discussion of RPG games. And remember, the worst thing that can happen to you in a game is... Sit next to the guy who doesn't bathe. Well, this podcast has got a little long, and I've decided that in the fine tradition of Phil and Dixie from What's New in Dragon Magazine... We will have to defer the sex and gaming segment of the podcast till next week. The Bears Grove comes to you under a Creative Commons 2.5 license, attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use. You're welcome to distribute it wherever you want as long as you keep it intact and keep our name on it and don't charge for it. 
I want to thank all the folks who helped this podcast be all it can be. That is to say, Katarina, Cynthia, Alan, and Shelly the Cat. Music provided from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. The Bears Grove calls for your feedback, kudos, and or participation. Send an audio file or email us at bearsgrove at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 206-888-2327. Leave us comments at the show blog at httpbearsgrove.blogspot.com or now, thanks to a gift from a wonderful person, you can just go to bearsgrove.com. Place yourself and send us a shout-out at our Frapper map. That will be slash bearsgrove. Participate in our online forum at thegamingpodcastnetwork.com. Next week, we'll continue our game design toolkit segment. We'll have a segment about swashbuckling and role-playing, a new segment series about power dynamics as a story element, and yes, next week we really will have a segment about sex and role-playing games. I promise. In addition, we'll have the third part of the two-part interview for uh, Cynthia. Actually, I cut it up into three parts because I realized how long it was getting, and uh, I think that's going to be better for it. So we're going to have three parts instead of two. Until then, keep your eyes, heart, and mind open, and please have sweet dreams when you get them. The closing music for this episode of The Bear's Grove is by Jeff Smith of the website thejeffsmith.com. And it's a very catchy tune, which really speaks to the heart of what podcasting is all about to me. The song is not on the radio. And that's the name of the song as well. Hit it, Jeff. Somebody told me you're in San Francisco. They said you're working in a box. Yeah, a cubicle. Somebody told me that you're not on top of the world. You're probably walking down the street with your earbuds jammed so deep in your ear. Yeah, you're going deaf. You probably found this little MP3 for free. Just bitter, won't you save me from my 
West Virginia We can make it on our own And we're doing just fine I can't afford your record But it's out of sight Well you can play this But not on the radio I made this But not for the radio Hey now Switch off your radio Off your radio World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com.